0: a kids' podcast of feminist stories for a new generation. We've got a special episode for you today. It's from our friends over at the show, Unspookable. Unspookable is a family-friendly look at the histories and mysteries behind your favorite scary stories, myths, and urban legends. Each week, host Elise Parisian digs into the history, brain science, and power dynamics behind such topics as Bloody Mary, Charlie Charlie, and Ouija boards to find the stories behind the scares. It's recommended for ages eight years old and up. So grownups, if you're not sure that your tailblazer is ready for this story, I recommend taking a listen first and then playing it for them. Unspookable has been called one of the best podcasts for kids of all ages by Time Out New York, one of the seven podcasts Big Kids Will Love by the New York Times, one of the five spooky podcasts to check out right now by Vulture, one of the 10 best podcasts for children by the Irish Examiner, and is an official common sense media selection. The show has appeared multiple times across Canada on CBC Radio's podcast playlist, on NPR station Wise Kids Listening Hour, has been featured by Apple Podcasts, Romper, The A.V. Club, Fast Company, The Week Junior, Podcast Magazine, and more. Now, on to our episode. This is Mary Shelley Frankenstein and the birth of science fiction. Enjoy!
2: Soundsington Media!
3: It's a chilly, dreary day in 1916. The rain hasn't let up in what seems like months. The sky is overcast, making it feel like evening, even at noon. And it's supposed to be summer vacation. The house on the lake, meant for boating, picnics, and lawn games feels cramped when everyone is stuck inside. Out of games to play, you and your friends come up with another way to pass the time. Ghost stories. Each night, someone will tell a story, but only one will be declared the winner. For days, you rack your brain. How will you come up with something original? Something bone-chilling? Something that will really get your friends? Then, after a long talk about the nature of life, it comes to you. What if a corpse could be reanimated? And from that question, the story unfolds, not only to your friends on that fateful night, but to the world for generations to come. This is a story of how Mary Shelley wrote the book Frankenstein or the Modern Prometheus. I'm Elise Parisian. And today, we're going to take a deep dive into the creation of one of the greatest scary stories of all time, and what some people call the birth of modern science fiction, here on Unspookable.
2: Personally, I think people like scary stories because it is a way to express, like, things that are either stressful or, like, harmful or, like, scary or or something like that. Anyway, in a fun way that can exaggerate and
1: make it into a more interesting story. I think people love scary stories because it's something fun to tell around the campfire or around spooky times or at night. And it just kind of, like, makes things more fun. And it just, I don't know, I just, I love scary stuff because it kind of adds, like, suspense to things and just makes stuff more
3: fun. It brings catharsis. What have you heard about Frankenstein before today? When you hear that name, what do you picture? You might not have read the original novel yet, but you have probably read or seen a story that was influenced by, or adapted from, Frankenstein. Since it was originally published in 1818, the story has become an important part of both the horror and science fiction genres. But how did it come about? And why has it been so influential? To unpack that, let's first talk about the brilliant mind behind the story. Mary Shelley. Mary Shelley was born Mary Wollstonecraft Godwin in London, England in 1797. She was the child of two writers, the political philosopher William Godwin and feminist philosopher Mary Wollstonecraft, whose important book, A Vindication of the Rights of Women, written in 1792, argued that men and women should be equal, and would be if women were given equal rights and education. Mary's mother died when she was only about a week old, and she was raised by her father. His most famous writing was on anarchy, meaning that he argued all authority, like that of governments, was wrong and should be abolished. So the ideas that both of Mary's parents wrote about were very out of the ordinary for the time. She was raised to think for herself and given an education at a time when girls her age were often prevented from reading books at all. Mary fell in love with the poet Percy Shelley when she was 17. They traveled across Europe together, eventually spending the summer at a lake house near Geneva, Switzerland, with other philosophers and thinkers like Lord Byron, who would go on to become one of the most celebrated English poets of the time. It was with these friends, stuck inside for a summer of bad weather, that the Ghost Story Competition was born. They may have been inspired by reading out loud to each other from a ghost story collection called Phantasmagoriana. The stories had titles like The Black Chamber and The Death Bride. It was from this spark that the friends encouraged each other to come up with their own stories. Once she stumbled upon her idea, Mary was unable to sleep and wrote all night by candlelight, with the rain lashing against the window outside. In the introduction to an edition of the novel, published in 1831, Shelley recalled those first glimpses into the world of the book, when she first imagined the characters. I saw the pale student of unhallowed arts kneeling beside the thing he had put together. I saw the hideous phantasm of a man stretched out, and then, on the working of some powerful engine, show signs of life and stir with an uneasy, half-vital motion. Frightful must it be, for supremely frightful would be the effect of any human endeavor to mock the stupendous mechanism of the creator of the world. So who is this pale student? And who is the hideous man? We'll tell you right after this.
2: Uh, Frankenstein is normally confused with Frankenstein's monster, which it's normal to assume that the monster is called a Frankenstein because it's the title of the movie, but nope. And a Frankenstein looks mostly the same through any movie that has it in. A flathead, like, it looks like it's half of an oval, two, like, T-shaped bolts on its neck, and um a lot, a lot of stitches, and is very, like,
1: heavy and strong, if I'm correct. I've heard of Frankenstein multiple times, mainly around Halloween because obvious reasons. I know it from Hotel Transylvania because he's one of the main characters. And then I know him from Monster High because Frankie, which is Frankenstein's daughter. So I know Frankenstein from that and just in general, because Frankenstein is a big part of Halloween.
3: Have you ever thought about what it would be like to have power over death? So many of our human stories, whether they are horror, science fiction, fantasy, or other genres, wrestle with this question of what happens after death, whether we could ever learn enough to control it, and if we could achieve something like immortality. These big, complex ideas about life and death and power— are the engine that drives Mary Shelley's masterpiece. Frankenstein is about the young scientist, Victor Frankenstein, whose quest to understand the barrier between life and death ultimately becomes a cautionary tale. Victor has always excelled at science, but after his mother dies of scarlet fever while he's at university, Victor becomes obsessed. He works constantly, eventually inventing a technique that allows him to animate non-living matter. Victor is relentless. If he can create life on a small scale where there is none, why should he stop there? Why not create an entirely new human? Using human body parts and chemical compounds, Frankenstein creates the creature, an eight foot tall humanoid Who is exceptionally strong. A common misconception about the book is that Frankenstein is the name of the humanoid creation, but the story primarily refers to him as the creature, or Frankenstein's monster. While the tale does go in depth in some sections about the creature's inner life, Shelley's title points to the fact that it is Victor Frankenstein who the story is about. The original full title is Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus. Prometheus refers to the titan god of Greek mythology, who stole fire from the higher gods on Mount Olympus and gave it to humans. Zeus is so enraged that he has Prometheus tied to a rock, where an eagle will come and eat his liver every day for all eternity. So how is Victor Frankenstein a modern Prometheus? Perhaps his quest to conquer death. To create life where there is none makes him similar to Prometheus. He is stealing knowledge from the gods that humans were never intended to have, with dire consequences. The creature eventually escapes the lab where Victor is keeping him. He roams the wilderness, quickly discovering that he needs to avoid people who are horrified by his appearance. His oversized limbs and sickly-looking skin that barely conceal the veins and muscles underneath. He lives in the woods near a cabin, wishing desperately to be able to befriend the family that lives there. He listens to them talk and teaches himself to speak. He finds discarded books and teaches himself to read. Despite all his efforts to be human, when the family sees him, the son attacks him. The creature leaves the forest, vowing to find Victor and exact revenge on him for creating him, and on all humans who will never accept him. The path he takes eventually leads to murder, mayhem, and despair. He tries to force Victor into creating another creature so that he can have company, insisting that he deserves to be happy and live like a real human. But the plot continues to unravel with frankenstein and his monster trekking across the wilderness after each other their journey takes them to the north pole where victor collapses from exhaustion and hypothermia and eventually dies the creature is seen walking off onto the ice never to be heard from again what's amazing about shelley's book and what makes it so readable even if you know the story is the compelling and often bone-chilling exploration of what it means to be human. After all, why shouldn't the creature be able to be happy? If Victor Frankenstein wanted power over life, he got it. But at what cost? Both Frankenstein and his monster go on this quest to be more human. The most human they can be and it leads them both down dark paths. But these dark paths become more well-tread in the years after Shelley's novel is first published. We'll look at the influence Shelley and her friends have had on the genres of science fiction and horror when we return.
2: Um, The creature is in the monster's entire series, all of the monster's movies, uh, the original Frankenstein, All the sequels, the Universal movies, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, Monster Squad. Some other ones that are inspired by Frankenstein are Hotel Transylvania, there is Stranger Things, because throughout the entire series there is a lot of like meddling with mad science, and there is also literally a monster made out of corpses. There's also some of that in Gravity Falls, there's a lot of mad science as a matter of fact, a lot of it, and there is actually Bring Back the Dead in it.
1: I know that some movies and stuff inspired by Mary Shelley's Frankenstein would be, I'm pretty sure the Frankenstein movie, and then Bride of Frankenstein... And then I know that there's many, many more. And I'm pretty sure one of them was also the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is a
3: movie I just recently watched. In the film Frankenweenie, a boy named Victor Frankenstein uses electricity to bring his dog Sparky back to life. Of course, when his friends discover he has this technology, they bring their pets and other creatures back to life. And chaos ensues. Of all the adaptations and spin offs of Shelley's story, this one is the most heartwarming and least terrifying, while still exploring the themes of life and death that make Shelley's original so compelling. The method that Victor Frankenstein uses in Frankenweenie, the electrical current that restores life, has become a common device in many science fiction stories, but at the same time that Shelley had her character Frankenstein use it, the idea was very new. In the late 1700s, scientists first experimented with what came to be known as galvanism, or the generation of an electrical current by chemical reaction. This method was used in experiments where dissected frogs or other creatures would be touched with electrodes, making their dead muscles move as if they were alive. This technology would have been amazing at the time, when electricity was barely accessible to the public, in a way that made it even more exciting for Shelley to reference it in her story. The reference to galvanism and other new scientific learning in Frankenstein has led many people to credit Shelley as one of the first modern science fiction authors. Although the genre contains lots of themes and ideas, People generally say that science fiction is characterized by the exploration of science and technology in relation to humanity. Science fiction asks questions like, what does it mean to be human, by testing the boundaries of what, or who, is human. Like with stories about extraterrestrials, or in this case, the story of the creature. When Shelley had her main character use these unheard-of scientific methods to create new life, she was writing in a way that no one ever had before. Themes and ideas that we take for granted had their seeds in her work. And it isn't just Shelley's work that influenced spooky stories for years to come. Remember how everyone at the Lake House had to come up with a ghost story for the contest? Well, another story written there has also been featured on Unspookable. Lord Byron told a story that was later written down and published by John Polidori, called The Vampire. This was one of the first works of fiction to ever reference vampires, and the first piece of literature that collected so many ideas about vampires from folklore and legend into one story. Many point to the vampire as the beginning of the fascination with these creatures in Western popular culture that continues today. Despite the clear influence that Shelley's work has had on science fiction and horror, for a long time there were debates about the authorship of Frankenstein. People speculated that an 18-year-old woman couldn't have written something like this. They thought maybe the entire group at the lake house worked on it together or that Shelley's husband, Percy, co-wrote it with her. How does that strike you? The idea that this complex, scary, intriguing story could not have been written by someone who was young, or someone who was a woman. Though she never got to meet her, perhaps Mary was influenced by her mother's feminist works. She not only argued for herself and for the integrity of her work, but she went on to write and publish many more novels, Stories and essays before her death in 1851. The circumstances that led to the creation of those stories on that lake all those years ago may never be replicated. To have those people together in that house, cooped up because of the weather, and talking about subjects like life and death and reading each other ghost stories, this was the perfect laboratory for Shelley to experiment with Frankenstein and his monster. Popular culture owes a great debt to this one meeting of the minds. But it isn't just the complexity of scientific thought around the characters of Frankenstein that make it so riveting. It's also the heart. The feeling that both creator and creation are yearning for something more than this life has given them, which perhaps Shelley could relate to herself, with so much tragedy befalling her at a young age. At the end of the book, as he is dying, Victor Frankenstein's last words encourage humans to find happiness and tranquility and avoid ambition. But should we? Or perhaps humanity simply should not go as far as Frankenstein did. To have ambition that challenges the natural order of things. That the living are living, and the dead are dead that the spark of life is not for us to unnaturally create. Perhaps we should all be careful where our ambition takes us, lest we find ourselves with a creature in our laboratory on a dark and stormy night. Thanks for listening to Unspookable. I'm your host, Elise Parisian. This episode was written by Eleanor Riley Condit. Produced and edited by Nate Dufort. Our theme song and additional music composed by Jesse Case. Our logo was created by Natalie Kewan. Special thanks this week to our guests Bella and Al. If you enjoy the show, make sure to tell your friends. You can leave us a rating and review in your podcast player of choice, or share an episode on social media. Speaking of social media, you can find Unspookable on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us for a peek behind the scenes and for updates on the show. Unspookable is a production of Soundsington Media, committed to making quality programming for young audiences and the young at heart. For more information on our shows and the people behind them, go to www.soundsingtonmedia.com.